One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. So I think this is the third um, episode in the section or the segment on uh, finding your personal food code or discovering your ideal diet. And um, the first digit in that combination, if you remember, well, let me just say it just in case this is the first episode that you popped into, is that um, when you look at your diet, think of it as a combination lock where you have to have the right digit in the right place in the right order in order for the lock to open. And so in order for you to get the most out of your diet as a variable um, that is a strong and powerful epigenetic modifier, meaning your diet has a great impact on your health, your wellness, your inflammatory state, all that kind of stuff, you need to have it right. It needs to be optimized. So the first variable that I like to look at, and I think that this is probably from a, a human design standpoint, the first thing that we have to get right is how much we eat or how much we don't eat. Now, before I get into some practical information on, about that, why is that important? Well, when you look at when you look at chronic underfeeding or you look at chronic overfeeding, you have problems on both ends, and in both can create their own very specific problems, particularly with things like blood sugar control. Um, both of them also have tremendous potential to drive uh, inflammatory states and cause immune dysfunction and dysregulation, and for a couple of different reasons. So if you have someone who is chronically underfed, we know that there are a couple of uh, consistent and predictable things that will happen. One of the big picture things is that with chronic underfeeding, you end up seeing a reduction in your basal metabolic rate so that you burn fewer calories at rest. And this is uh, part of what we might call innate intelligence's wisdom in the sense that they they understand or the body understands how much energy it needs to just sit around and digest food and to keep your heart beating and your blood flowing, etc. It also knows how much food that you need to engage in your activities and recover so that when it senses that the fuel supply is dropping, it will adjust the basal metabolic rate, how much fuel you need at rest to accommodate the, the, the fuel that's actually coming in on a consistent basis because it is important for the body and the brain to have sufficient fuel on a consistent and an ongoing basis. That does not mean that we can't go through especially uh, intentional periods, short periods of time, like intermittent fasting strategies. Uh, it doesn't mean we can't engage in intermittent fasting without running the risk of down-regulating our basal metabolic rate. What it means is if we're chronically feeding ourselves less than we should, which is part of how we optimize health and wellness, then we're going to see some negative consequences. This is one of the explanations as to why some people who diet on a chronic basis continue to reduce their caloric intake and yet continue to increase their weight. And there could be other variables that are associated with that. But one of the very real world implications of this is that as you chronically underfeed yourself, you end up 
with a lower metabolic rate, which means what used to be a sufficient calorie intake before is now too much. And so you end up gaining weight because you have not adjusted your food intake, but you've changed your basal metabolism. You know, beyond that, when we are chronically underfeeding ourselves, the brain doesn't like that. Like the brain is a, um, an energy consumer. Uh, in fact, it's one of the largest energy consumers. I would say beyond active muscle, uh, the brain consumes the most energy uh, in the body, particularly when you compare the size of the brain compared to your muscular system. So basically, it's an energy hog. The more brain-based work you do, the more energy you need to keep the brain fueling well. But the energy is, um, or the brain, I'm sorry, is you know what we might call a sacrificial system. Not that it will sacrifice itself, but it will sacrifice other functions to maintain its own survive, maintain its own survivability. Which means that when you underfeed yourself and do so in, an, in a manner that is inappropriate to your physiology, in a manner that you cannot quickly adapt to, your brain will look at that as a survival issue and will initiate all these adaptations to make sure that its own fuel supply is adequate so it can continue to function. And again, it quite often will tap into other systems to activate them, or it will sacrifice other, other systems. So for example, um, in the, in chronic low blood sugar, low fuel states, it's very difficult to have hormonal balance and control. And so we see this all the time that, uh, when women diet too much, their body fat goes down too low. Maybe they have some, maybe body image and morphology perception problems they're, they actually don't need to lose weight, but they think they do. Um, inevitably, we get into states of uh, very bra- bad uh, premenstrual sim- sind- syndrome with inconsistent cycles, great variability in, in flow rates and period of time uh, during the cycle itself. But a lot of times they'll end up actually with no cycle at all. And so we see these very intimate connections between fuel status and sufficiency how the brain perceives that potentially as a threat to survival and then reaching out and having an impact on other systems. So basically, I, I to say it this way, the brain says, well, being able to reproduce is not a priority if I'm going to die. And so it sacrifices other systems so that it can maintain its own fuel sufficiency. Beyond that, um, just to try to link this to the inflammatory state, is that when you're chronically underfeeding yourself, and, and because the brain does perceive that as a threat to survival, as it begins to make its adaptations, it also does one more thing that easily can lead into the inflammatory cascade, and that is to create these low blood sugar events where, um, you know, if you're going to ignore a hunger signal and not eat anyways because you're trying to lose weight or whatever the rationale is, is that the brain targets the adrenals and will ask it to create some cortisol in an effort to increase your blood sugar levels through two different well-known physiological processes, and that is gluconeogenesis and glycogenolysis. And, you know, these things are being talked about a lot out there on the internet these days, just simply because when you engage in calorie restriction or when you get into intermittent fasting strategies, you can not eat food and still maintain normal blood sugar. In fact, you can eliminate carbohydrates from your diet altogether and you'll still have blood sugar, not because you're eating carbohydrates, but because your body has these adaptive capacities to make glucose out of other things, whether it's amino acids or or different substrates or, or different base materials. But nevertheless, when you when you activate these adrenal responses and you get these cortisol surges, um, depending on 
how often that's happening and how severe it is when it does happen can actually cross over and, and create this inflammatory cascade. In fact, up in the brain, the part of the brain that really kind of registers danger signals, if you will, whether it's danger from the external, like I'm being chased by a bear in the woods, or whether it's an internal danger signal, like I have a lack of fuel and that's not good for my health or my survivability, it will activate uh, what's called the mesolimbic system, uh, which is the upper third of the brainstem where we uh, transduce signals from our environment, particularly light and sound or things that we see as well as things that we hear. But that has very potent connections into limbic system, which is emotionality. And a lot of these things can drive fear, which is why we can see, you know, hear a loud noise and see something flash in our periphery and our heart rate can elevate because that's how the immune system, sorry, how the brain is wired to work in terms of promoting our own survivability. But we can get into that same physiological state of being kind of on high alert all the time and feeling like we're under some kind of a threat by not feeding our body on a consistent basis. And so to kind of circle back around and make sure I don't get lost too far down this bunny trail of physiology and how your body and your brain designed is designed or are designed is that when you are not eating enough food, you end up with these unfavorable adaptations that quite often end up promoting the very things that you're trying to fix. Whether it is reducing your basal metabolic rate, even though you're trying to lose weight with calorie restriction, or whether it is causing these altered fuel states to a brain that may or may not be able to adapt to it, to the invocation of stress chemistry and inflammatory cascades that end up messing up the whole system. You know, it's, it's one thing to say I'm going to fast for overnight. It's one thing to say I'm going to fast for 16 hours today or maybe once a week. It's even one thing to say I'm going to fast for two or three days. It's another to be in a constant state of underfeeding, which is, again, one of the reasons why eating enough food is absolutely critical. Now, in my own clinical experience, and I've been you know, working in the field of natural medicine since 1995, I, even though I've seen and worked with my own share of people with prediabetes and you know, type 1 and type 2 diabetes, uh, I see far more people, women particularly, who are chronically underfed than they are eating enough food or actually overfeeding themselves. In fact, a lot of the pre-diabetics and in the type 2 diabetics that I've worked with, um, a lot of them tend to be underfeeding themselves as well. And they're actually surprised when I say to them, listen, you need to eat more food. And their first thought is, well, I can't. My blood sugar is high all the time. If I eat more food, my blood sugar is going to go up. And, you know, we kind of have to pick that apart and deconstruct it so that they understand actually how all these things work. And, you know, it, it's not just about calories. It's about carbohydrates and it's about insulin signaling and, and you know it's it's a more complicated scenario than just you know that but nevertheless let's flip to the high calorie side now because you know just like you can activate stress chemistry and inflammatory cascades with chronic underfeeding you can do the same thing for slightly different reasons if you're always eating too much food which of course if you're eating a standard american diet is very easy to do because it is it's, it is nutrient sparse and calorie dense, and the calories tend to come from wheat and dairy, unhealthy fats like corn, uh, canola, soy oil, soybean oil, that kind of stuff. And it's all wrapped in kind of like a, a sugary wrapping. So you get high calories, high unhealthy fats, and high sugar at the same time. And so it's very easy to overconsume calories, particularly if you add on top of 
your Big Mac, uh, you know, you know, like a big gulp or a Coke or something like that. Um, and so what happens when we constantly overconsume? Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens and it's fairly well elucidated and known both from a systems perspective, but also all the way down to what happens at the cellular level. But one of the most profound things is a change in the body's response to insulin. And so you've heard terms like insulin resistance before where the cell no longer responds to insulin, which is the key that opens the door that allows glucose and energy sources to go into the cell where we can burn it for fuel. And so with increasing levels of insulin resistance, we end up with higher blood sugar and higher insulin. Now, both of those are pro-inflammatory, number one, because glucose is actually a toxic molecule. We, we don't want high amounts of glucose floating around our bloodstream for any really length of, or period of time simply because it damages tissues, it damages cells. And this is why people who are uh, you know, diabetics and have poorly controlled diabetes end up losing their kidneys and losing you know, the, the retinas and their eyes and the nerve endings and get these you know, pain syndromes and paresthesias and all kinds of different things ultimately usually dying of heart disease because of the vascular damage. But glucose itself is a toxic molecule. And so simply over-consuming calories tends to bring with it a hyperglycemia or high blood sugar state, which in and of itself is a problem. But the corollary to that, or I'd say the parallel to that, is hyperinsulinemia, having high insulin. Insulin itself is also a pro-inflammatory mediator, but insulin is also... And, and insulin resistance as a syndrome is also one of the mechanisms by which we drive what's called lipogenesis, which is uh, converting excess glucose into triglycerides and then eventually into body fat. And so this, this high blood sugar, high insulin, high triglyceride scenario basically is uh, kind of like a rich environment for increasing body fat and shutting down your ability to break it down and burn it for fuel. And it also tends to translate into global or systemic inflammatory loads. And then ultimately, one of the things that we see is a complete alteration in hunger and satiety signals so that you've, you've reached calorie sufficiency when you're eating, but your brain doesn't know that you're not hungry anymore and you continue to overfeed. And so whether no matter which way you slice it, Eating the right amount of food is of absolute paramount importance because of the potential metabolic costs of either constant underfeeding or constant overfeeding. Now, I'm going to have to cut this episode short because I did more in the way of introduction than I wanted to, but I want to come back to in the next episode, I want to come back to hitting on um, some of the actual practical applications of eating enough food so that you're not undershooting and overshooting and how how detailed do we need to be in terms of setting a target and making sure like, you know, do I have to count every single calorie every day, hour and hour, hour after every, or hours throughout the day to make sure that I'm not under eating and overeating? The answer is yes. And the answer is no. So we'll answer that on the next, next episode in the Inflammation Nation. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to 
to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.